Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Medicare-related spending for beneficiaries with end-stage kidney disease totaled nearly $50 billion in 2018, according to the National Institutes of Health. Dr. James Matera is here to speak with us today about urgent start peritoneal dialysis. Thank you for joining us today. What infrastructure is required for urgent start PD? The, the primary thing is the placement of the catheter. You have to have confidence in your interventional radiologist or your surgeon who can do this. At first, I was a little leery, but I started to look at our interventional radiologist. I knew they were doing it at another facility. I actually did my homework and, and followed up on some of the patients and physicians that were using them at another facility. And I became comfortable. And of course, you know, I was there the first couple of times they did it. That's the number one priority. The number two is uh, being able to have a unit in our hospital in particular, we tend to relegate peritoneal dialysis to one floor. So they're the, where the dialysis, the peritoneal dialysis nurses are located. So they have a good working attitude towards this and are able to do this. However, this is a little different animal. This is a brand new catheter that hasn't had time to ingrain in. We're not using a cycler for the most part, as many nurses are used to, because we're going with low volumes. That's the key to keeping the catheter from leaking and other things. So we have to have re-education into the whole process. And then, of course, we have to have the facilities to do that. There's been some peritoneal dialysis shortages uh, through the pandemic. So we have to make sure we have all the equipment available. And then most importantly is you have to be able to transition that patient from the acute care setting where we don't want them to be to the outpatient setting to finish their uh, urgent start training and to get back to home as quick as possible. What is the urgent start PD clinical pathway from patient presentation to discharge home? Yeah. So my goal with urgent start PD, I I tend to use that more in the inpatient setting. Whereas uh, when I have a patient who's, I know is going to start peritoneal dialysis, I usually have a little bit more control over that. But when patients do come in that haven't had enough time to think or haven't made a decision on modality, but I know that they're going to be a a good candidate, uh, first and foremost is the education. You have to educate that patient. There's not a lot of contraindications to doing urgent start PD. Certainly, I want to caution, I would not use that in a really urgent situation, for instance, someone who's volume overloaded or has severe hyperkalemia or other issues, then, you know, at least temporary hemodialysis is better. But once you make the decision, you can put that in place. So number one is the education. You have to make sure that the patient's ready for that. Number two is getting the catheter placed in a, in a time frame that's uh, suitable. And then I like to get the patients out of here. I like to, if they're stable enough, and I don't have to start the PD urgently, I transition them to an outpatient clinic where they'll go in and do the PD right in the clinic. So that's my uh, modality. I had one patient just recently who did not make his decision. He thought he was going to get a transplant. Long story short, it got down to the wire. The transplant was being put on hold uh, due to some issues with his donor, and he was becoming very uremic. So I said, we got to do this. I put him in. We did the PD catheter that day. The next day, he started in our outpatient center with Urgent Start PD and has done phenomenally well for six weeks now. And I'm hoping his transplant will go in a couple of weeks. But I think that's the best part for this is to get them out of the hospital as quick as possible and get them into a center where they can start the transition.
What would you say are the overall take-home messages from our conversation today? I think the take-home messages are we have to put peritoneal dialysis back on our radar for modality choices. Um, Of course, it takes a motivated patient. It takes an educated patient. We also have to take into account, Jessica, the, the socioeconomic things. You know, we have, to, we have to know those things in medicine these days. I teach my students that all the time, that it's not just your genetic code, but your zip code that may uh, dictate where things are going. So if you have a patient who isn't capable of doing this for technical reasons, you know, maybe they have uh, food or home insecurities. They're not good peritoneal dialysis patients. I, I, you may know this, but I do go or have gone prior to the, the, the COVID pandemic to Guatemala to do some, some work out there. And we actually have some people who live in huts who do peritoneal dialysis, but we have to take all those things into account. But I think if we move peritoneal dialysis up onto our forefront, that'll help us get to our home goals that we wanna to get to by 2024, 2025. So I think that certainly helps. Number two is I think, it, I think the patients will like it better. I think their availability and their lifestyle is better on peritoneal dialysis. So I think that's a good take-home message for us to deal with our patients. Certainly shared decision-making is of utmost importance. You don't want to tell a patient what they can or cannot do, but you want to take it and say, okay, this modality will give you the following benefits and the following benefits on your lifestyle. And you know, long-term, here's what we can expect. And we all know the, the outcomes data on peritoneal dialysis, while not overwhelming, tends to be a little bit more favorable than hemo. Then I also think the key factor is avoiding infections. When you look at urgent start versus conventional PD, there was not in a cohort of of studies that was published uh, just about two years ago, they they looked at it and they didn't see a higher incidence of infections for home patients versus conventional. But yet when we put central venous catheters in patients for hemodialysis, that's one of our biggest fears and worries is that they'll get an infection. So I think all those things wrapped up together um, you know, make urgent start PD a very good entryway into the home arena that we need to be focusing a little bit more on over the next few years. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that you think that I missed? No, I think, um, you know, we look at that and again, you have to have some really good studies. Actually, you know, home or urgent start PD started to get some, some, some traction about 10, 12 years ago. And there's a couple of algorithms that are out there from, from some of the studiers, uh, from some of the people who perform the studies that show a good way for patient choice education and how you would do it. The prescription of the dialysis is also different because again, we're starting with low volumes. Sometimes you know a traditional uh, patient on conventional dialysis will get up to two liters, um, sometimes even more. But with these patients, I start very low, 500 to 750 milliliters of fluid, you know, to start the process, to avoid leaking, to let the catheter kind of take its uh, shape because we don't have that two-week window in urgent start that we would normally do. And actually, there's no studies to really show that that's a benefit of waiting the two weeks. So I think we can put that aside and, you know, if done properly. The other thing I would say is, and we didn't talk a lot about it today, but uh, protocols. You have to have a protocol. I, I'm a big fan of algorithms and protocols. And we learned during COVID that that was a very useful tool for us in order to you know, get away from some of the things that we knew at the start of COVID to what we know now. And I think you have to have a real good protocol in place of how you're going to do your peritoneal dialysis. And you have to have the buy-in from the administration at your facility, the nursing for sure, 
the dialysis unit um, and everybody so that, and even resources and materials management to make sure that you have the, the, the uh, supplies necessary to do this. So I'm a big fan of developing protocols. And there are some out there. A group, a friend of mine actually down in uh, South Florida was among the first groups to, to look at this. You know, I follow a lot from what they've uh, taught us. So I think that that's very important. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Matera. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good afternoon.